you can follow this morning's reading uh, on page 1128 of the Bible in the pews. Reading from Romans uh, chapter 1 and beginning at verse 14. Page 1128, beginning at verse 14 of chapter 1. I am bound both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are at Rome. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. This is the word of God. Do turn with me to Romans 1. Or keep your finger in Romans 1. And let me pray as we begin. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness and your kindness. Thank you for your grace to us in speaking to us. And we do pray you give us ears to hear your voice this morning. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning we're continuing our uh, sermon series in Romans. I wonder, does anyone remember the, um, the Christian band's Delirious? Anyone remember them? Okay, here they are. Uh, if you don't, just humour me uh, for a moment. Um, These guys were a fairly big deal in the very small world of Christian rock music. Um, I was a a bit of a fan of Delirious growing up. Um, I wasn't the biggest fan in the Dennis household because I never bunked school to go to a record signing. Did I, Jane? (laughs) And uh, one of Delirious' uh, most catchy songs was a song called I'm Not Ashamed. And it was an anthemic song. It was an incredible song. It was easy to sing along to, but the, the best thing about this song was that it felt empowering. By the end of the song, having sung many times, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the one I love. You weren't just singing it anymore. You believed it. You felt it. And as you listened in the quietness of your bedroom, you felt empowered to take on the world to leave the house, chest puffed out. It was like you were Rocky Bilbao walking to the ring of the world. And the music playing as you entered the world was, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, I'm not ashamed of the one I love. Or at least that's how you felt in your bedroom. Somewhere between your bedroom and the front door, the sense of empowerment seemed to drain away from you, pretty much step by step as you came down the stairs. And by the time you got to the front door, you remembered what a big, scary world it actually is. And you also realised that people aren't all nice. People don't all believe in God. Now, you might not be a delirious fan, shame on you, but I'm sure you can resonate with that feeling. You've been at a conference and you've sung your heart out and you have that wonderful feeling inside, or you've been sat here on a Sunday morning and you've felt the impact of God's words in your heart. You feel joyful, you feel full of praise, and you leave wanting just to share that with others. You determine in your seat that you are no longer going to be ashamed of the gospel. 
By the time you've had coffee and you've got to the front door, that feeling's waned a little bit, but it's still there. By the next morning when the alarm goes off and the world is looming slightly larger, well, you resolve. You resolve not to be ashamed. And all goes really well until you actually see someone. So you get to the school gate or you get to the office. You get to the coffee morning and someone asks you, oh, what did you get up to at the weekends? Or they say, do you know what, I saw someone in the news actually. You're a Christian, aren't you? What do you think about that? Or you just hear someone mocking Christianity and you just feel that feeling of shame rising up in you. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the one I love. Well, in that moment, that's not how you're feeling. Yes, maybe when you're surrounded by Christians, but outside of those cosy gatherings where we all basically share the same assumptions about life, well, I think if we're honest, the reality is that lots of us do feel ashamed. Uh, When I lived um, in Sheffield, which, if you don't know, is like Mecca for me, um, I played rugby, and uh, there was another Christian on the team, and we decided that we would invite some of the guys to for a curry at my house, and uh, we'd get someone from Christians in Sport up to come and give a bit of a testimony. They were a, a very good rugby player, uh, and just talk about the Christian faith and take questions. I was terrified inviting the lads. I bottled it so many times. Absolutely terrified. I wonder if you've ever had a similar feeling about inviting to someone to someone to something here. Like the reality is that for many of us, these are in everyday normal conversations, we do feel ashamed. Maybe ashamed's too strong, but just a little bit embarrassed. And some of us will have even tried to manoeuvre a conversation away from Christian things, because that's a bit easier. You know, we love Jesus, and we do want our friends and family to hear about him, but at the same time we feel just slightly embarrassed to be associated with him. I don't actually think that we can just feel those feelings with unbelievers. I think sometimes we feel those same feelings with other Christians, because none of us wants to be labelled traditional or hardline or fundamental. And all this means that Paul's statement in Romans 1.16, I think, is profoundly challenging. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. There it is. He's only gone and said it. Last week, Clive helped us to see Paul's unique position as an apostle to reach both Jews and Gentiles. He's the ideal person to go to Rome. And so, verse 13, he longs to be able to go to reap a harvest there. He longs for a harvest of fruit, for unbelievers becoming Christians, for Christians producing fruit in their life. And despite the culture of Rome that we were hearing about last week, despite the difficulty and potential opposition, Paul doesn't seem phased by the task in front of him. He's not ashamed of the gospel. I don't know about you, but I'm always looking for an out. And so the out that I come to with this passage is, well, yeah, but that's the Apostle Paul, isn't it? He was genius. I mean, he was super keen. He'd met Jesus. 
One um, description of the Apostle Paul that I read this week in preparation uh, described himself as this, him as this, an ugly little guy with beetle brows, bandy legs, a bald plate, a hooked nose, bad, sight, bad eyesight, and no great rhetorical gifts. Well, if that's true, Paul doesn't have a lot that's going to make him attractive to people in Rome. He's not got a lot going for him, has he? In fact, elsewhere in his letters, Paul describes his weaknesses, his frailty. Yes, he was an apostle, but he was human. Human like the rest of us. Um, If Clive's not on Facebook, I very much doubt he's on Twitter. Um, If you've got got time to waste, then I do uh, recommend Twitter. It's great for idling away minutes and hours. Um, And I searched this week on Twitter to see what people were unashamed about. Uh, Here is the first one. It's only September, but I'm already listening to Christmas music. Hashtag not ashamed. That's just a theme, hashtag. Here's the next one. Anyone else cry when they leave their grandparents' house because they are so cute and you love them so much? Just me. Hashtag not ashamed. Now, the fact that people put these things on Twitter, out there to the world means, implies that they are actually tempted to be ashamed of these things. Perhaps culture dictates that we should be ashamed of these things. In fact, yes, Christmas music in September. You should be ashamed of yourself. (laughs) It's bad enough at Christmas. (laughs) Now, I think similarly, from Twitter back to Paul, I think by Paul saying, I'm not ashamed... I think implies the same thing. Paul's not immune from the temptation to feel ashamed of the gospel. But he understands certain things about the gospel, certain convictions that he has, that means he's not. And so he gives three reasons why he and we shouldn't be ashamed of the gospel. Firstly, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because we are bound to the world. You think you've got a handout, by the way, in front of you, if that helps. Verse 14 and 15, I'm bound both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel and also to you who are in Rome. The word, the word bound here mean, literally means indebted or obligated. Now there's two ways for us to be in debt, isn't there? We can be indebted to someone because they've given us money and we need to pay them back. Or we can be indebted to someone because someone has given us money to pass on to someone else. That's the sort of debt that Paul feels. That's the sort of debt that Paul feels bound to pay. So as an apostle, he was privileged to receive the gospel from Jesus Christ himself. But he received it with the understanding, with the obligation that he would pass it on. Obligation feels like a bad word to us, doesn't it? You know what obligation feels like? It feels like you've signed up on a rotor at church and then it comes round to doing the rotor and you really don't want to do it but your name's on the list and so you feel obliged to turn up. Ever had that feeling? But that's not the sort of obligation that Paul feels here. Paul's obligation is not a reluctant one. He is eager, eager, verse 15, to pass on what he's been given. You and I aren't apostles. 
We didn't receive a commission directly from Jesus in person, but through his word we are sent out by Jesus into his world to make him known. And so in that sense we are bound. We are bound to the world. We've been given great treasure. We cannot keep it to ourselves. Weirdly, God has set up the world that he will reach his world through his people. And so the overflow of us receiving grace flows out through us to others. Delirious saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the one I love. You know what it's like talking to a youngster when they've just started going out with someone and all they do is talk about this person. You ever been in a conversation like that? It's so annoying. They just can't stop talking about how amazing they are and how brilliant they are. And, and you kind of go, well, it's annoying, but isn't it understanding? understandable? They're happy. They're excited. They want you to meet this person that they like. You see, Christians are those people who've met Jesus through his words. And therefore, from that stems, uh, um, hopefully, a growing desire to talk about him, an eager obligation. So Paul is not ashamed of the gospel because he feels bound to the world. He feels like he can't keep it to himself. The second reason is this, because the gospel is power, is the power of God to save all who believe. Verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. There are all sorts of reasons why we might be tempted to feel ashamed of the gospel. But I wonder if two obvious ones are this. We doubt the power of the gospel and we doubt the reach of the gospel. We doubt the power of the gospel because it doesn't feel powerful. And we feel weak and feeble in our abilities to articulate what we believe. In fact, if we're honest, as we talk about it sometimes, the whole thing just feels a bit weak and pathetic. A God who dies, followers who are persecuted, a life of humble service, doesn't feel particularly powerful or attractive, does it? It feels a bit embarrassing, a bit shameful. Perhaps in the past you've taken a risk with a friend or a family member and you've open and honestly talked about your faith and it's just gone horribly wrong. You weren't taken seriously, perhaps you were mocked, perhaps even rejected and you felt ashamed. In power terms, the gospel felt less Rolls Royce and more spluttering lawnmower. We doubt the power of the gospel. We, we doubt the reach of the gospel. Now, I'm sure we'd never say this, but we do sometimes live this, that we only ever expect certain types of people will be interested in hearing about Jesus. We write certain people off. Certain people will never be invited to anything that we do here because, wow, they're never going to be interested. Paul is not ashamed of the gospel because he really believes that the gospel is power. is the power for salvation for all who believe. It doesn't look powerful. It doesn't look strong. Which is why we need to know and be reminded this morning that it really is. We need to know a deep conviction in our hearts that the gospel really is God's power. 
that the power is not in our articulate explanation or the, the quality of our events or our ability to answer people's questions or to be funny. Those things aren't unimportant, but it's not where the power is. The power is in the gospel. The power is in every time we speak. God's power is released when we speak of the gospel. And the history of God's dealings with his world prove his power. The evidence of the changed lives before me this morning are evidence of that power at work. Yes, people are going to reject it, but don't let that throw you. Don't be ashamed. Because in your mouth are words more powerful than dynamite. Words that can change lives. And so Paul feels bound to Greeks and non-Greeks, to wise and foolish, to religious and non-religious, the educated and the non-educated, and those whose immorality is plain for all to see, and those whose immorality is hidden under a cloak of niceness. Don't discount people who seem beyond hope or seem vehemently opposed to Christianity. Because to think that way is to deny the power of the gospel. When we think that way, what we're effectively saying is to God, I don't think you have the power or ability to save that person. I know you created the world, but they're beyond, they're beyond you. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because the gospel is the power of God to save all who believe. And then thirdly, only the gospel can save. Verse 17, For in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is risen, the righteous will live by faith. I cannot tell you how much literature and words have been written over this one verse. Pages and thousands of pages. But it's such an important verse because, in a sense, it is the, the summary statement of the rest of Romans. Paul's going to spend the rest of Romans unpacking, defending, explaining this verse. Why is the gospel the power for salvation? Well, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. Part of the difficulty that um, people have had in understanding this verse is the righteousness in the Bible can mean lots of different things. It's used slightly differently. And so um, commentators disagree about what it means here, which is why in some of your Bibles you see it talks about the righteousness of God. In other Bibles, like the NIV in front of you, it says the righteousness from God. Here's um, what one very brainy commentator described it as, righteousness as, the act by which God brings people into right relationship with himself. In other words, the gospel reveals the means of salvation. The gospel reveals the means of salvation. And uh, if I'd done my hand out later, that would have been the third point. So feel free to change point three to that. The gospel reveals the means of salvation. See, the gospel reveals salvation, reveals the righteousness of God, which is from faith, for faith. Again, lots of ink spilt over these words, but I think basically it means this. Salvation begins with faith and continues with faith. There is no other means by which you can be saved. 
Nothing we do qualifies us or makes us deserve. Deserving salvation is by faith alone. And this is reinforced by Paul at the end of verse 17 where he quotes from the book of Habakkuk. Um, And uh, we'll come back to that. And in that he says, the gospel reveals that the righteous shall live by faith. End of verse 17. Now in Habakkuk, Habakkuk's complaint against God is that it's not right or fair for God to use the Babylonians to come and punish Israel. Because Habakkuk says, but the Babylonians are evil, evil, evil. How can we allow them to punish us? And God's response to Habakkuk is that, look, justice will come. It will come to the Babylonians too. They will receive what's due to them. And he says, in the meantime, the righteous Israelites will humbly live by faith in God's promises. See, where you stand before God, says Romans 1.17, is all about faith. Faith is the mark of the humble. Faith is the quality of absolute reliance on God and his word, rather than on human abilities, activities, or assurances. It's all about faith. Now, if you've tuned out, tune back in now as we come back in to land. As we summarise, Paul is not ashamed of the gospel. He's not ashamed of the gospel because it reveals the means of salvation. I want you to imagine tomorrow, off the back of meeting with God's people today, you walk into the office, the school gates, the classroom, the coffee morning, and you're determined not to be ashamed. And you've prayed for an opportunity to share the gospel. And lo and behold, you're asked a question, a question that leads you directly to talk about Jesus. And your heart rate quickens and you feel nervous, but you're not going to be ashamed. After all, you feel bound to share the gospel. You're really convinced it is powerful to save. You're really convinced it is the means of salvation. And so you do your best to articulate an answer and you wait nervously for the response, full of expectation from your newfound eagerness. And then the response comes. After a short pause, they say, Ah, see, sounds great for people who need that sort of thing. Or they say, I see, but to be honest, I'm happy enough as I am without God. I see, yeah, it sounds nice, but all sounds a bit restrictive to me. And then they move the conversation on. Or, perhaps if they're really honest, they might just say, I see. I'm glad you can believe that, but to be honest, that just sounds like a complete load of... How do you feel? How do you feel? Well, I imagine we'll be tempted to feel ashamed. We'll be tempted to feel embarrassed. But Paul encourages us not to be. Because the gospel reveals the means of salvation. Tim Keller says this, The gospel will cause offence because it reveals us having a need that we cannot meet. See, the world is full of people striving to find fulfilment, purpose, happiness, to justify themselves, to live rightly. The world is full of anxious people striving for goodness, although they often won't admit to that. And the world is full of people looking for a saviour, 
looking for something to worship. It's just they're looking in the wrong places. They look to themselves or to others or to stuff. They don't want to recognize their needs. And that's why they don't want to know or even react angrily. Because they're proud. Romans 1 reminds us the righteous shall live by faith. And Paul says, so don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed when people react like that. The gospel reveals the means of salvation. The gospel reveals the means of salvation that people are crying out for. It's just they can't see it. And as one who's received it yourself, you are bound to share it to others. We finish with this. The opposite of being not ashamed of the gospel isn't being willing to share the gospel. I suspect all of us are willing if that unfortunate moment comes. <laughs> it's not the op- that's not the opposite to being unashamed. The opposite is being eager. That doesn't mean that we walk out of here and start shouting at people and ranting at people. No, no, we still treat people as human beings. We still pray for natural openings in conversations and then we prayerfully and boldly and winsomely speak of Christ. We're eager, not forceful. But don't be ashamed because you have nothing to be ashamed about. You are living in the real world with a real gospel that's powerful. Let's pray. Father God, we just want to confess this morning those times when we do feel embarrassed or ashamed. Ashamed of you, ashamed of being part of your people. And we thank you for the reminder this morning of uh, three really good reasons why we don't need to feel like that. And so we pray by your spirits, you might empower us, you might help us to know those convictions deep down in our hearts so that as we walk into your world tomorrow, we really can sing, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the one I love. Amen.